Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Welcome to episode 19 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, I make films and that and other stuff. You never really did master the intro, did you? No, I'm not, I'm not good at that, I'm not good at selling myself. Um, and joining us tonight, you know him best as a music horror and comic journalist. Uh, real pleasure to be joined by Mr Jules Boyle. Jules, hello. How you doing, mate? Very good, man. Thanks for doing this today. Not any time at all. Thanks for asking me. So, you've gone for... <laughs> uh, so it's 1985, right? Yep. Yep. And uh, Toby Hooper's Life Force. Yeah. Ah. Toby Hooper's yep. Intergalactic Breast Fest. If you like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Life Force. So, uh, yes. Jules, uh, what made you choose this? Um, well, it was a bit of back and forth with Andy, trying to think of something that was kind of generally derided, um, but that you could defend. And it was kind of, uh, it was either going to be this or Ghost of Mars, I think. Uh, and this is kind of harder to defend, but more fun, I think, maybe. Uh, it's it's, a, it's it's an absolute howling, shitey mess of a film. With loads <laughs> of money thrown at it. <laughs> but it's insanely entertaining at the same time. And every time I watch it, I kinda, I'm sitting, watching it, going, why do I like this? And by the end, I'm going, this is why I like it. This is fucking great fun. But, but it's a pure hot mess. Um, <laughs> I think that just kind of adds to it. So. <laughs> That's pretty much why we're here. Celebration. That's pretty dog. much why we're here. Uh, I mean, uh, this film, let me just throw some figures at you. $25 million. Yeah. In 1985, that's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, 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 that's avatar money. Made less than yeah. half of it back. <laughs> made less than half of it back. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, I'm kind of surprised by that. I don't know. Are you? Are you really? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Cool. Right, Jules. We do one thing with everybody that comes on, and I think <sighs> that this could be particularly tricky for this film. So yeah. for the so uh, I don't know I don't know if you've heard the show before, but Andy's going to put thirty seconds on the clock. Yeah. And when I count you in, what we need you to do is, for the benefit of anyone that might be listening who hasn't seen the film, do your best to provide a thirty second synopsis. You good to go? I'm good to go, mate. Right. Three, two, one, go. A joint British and American space shuttle called the Churchill finds a 150-foot-long spaceship inside Halley's Comet. Inside the spaceship, it's all burnt out, but they find three naked bodies in space animation. They turn out to be space vampires. They bring them back. The two guys are dead, but the woman cuts about in the nip for ages. She switches bodies with folk. The SAS come in. Patrick Stewart comes in. Ends up with basically quite a mass in the pit at the end with a total plague, apocalypse with zombies and all man of mad shit. A big soul, soul thing flying up. And it's absolute crazy hey. nonsense. It goes on for two hours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. Okay. Um, and it that, does that, go on for two hours. It's fucking long. It does go on. It really does. Oh, my God. It's I. Um, yeah, there's a lot of film in here. Uh-huh. Uh, Perhaps I mean, too much film. Possibly. The, the, the case could be made. Um, I mean, to be honest as well, but in the last month or so, I've been just watching nothing but old American pre-code and universal films for... Mm-hmm. Another another reason, and they're like an hour long. 
you know what I mean? So I'm at a kind of sort of point where I'm looking at this and it's like fucking Freebird or something, you know what I mean? It was like two hours. <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> right, let's go, you know what I mean? There's that point halfway through to go, she's found clothes. You think, oh, I'm fine. So. <laughs> it's a point you start to phase out. Exactly, it's like uh, my interest means. Let's just get some, some information on the go here. So Toby Hooper got into a deal with the Canning Group. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Menahem Golan and uh, Yoram Globus. They... <laughs> Uh, at the time, we're churning out some mad shit. I don't know if anyone's seen documentary Electric Boogaloo. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, about Canon films. It's fucking insane. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah. Now, he got he got a three-film deal with them, this being the first one, um, mm-hmm. and then Invaders from Mars and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Okay. Spider-Man was going to be one of the third, the third one, apparently. Oh, really? Seriously? <laughs> ah, it was the Vader Sumar's remake and a Spider-Man film. Well, that would have been, uh, right, that would have been around about the time they were putting out stuff like Masters of the Universe and stuff like uh-huh, that anyway, uh-huh, so they were obviously yeah. trying to snap up the, and Superman, of course, they put yeah, out, uh, yeah. Superman 4, I think they did. Superman 4, yeah. Um, <laughs> so they were putting out, they were snapping up these big franchises that were fucked and then basically fucking them worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Life Force kind of fell right into that but it, it shouldn't I don't think it should have I'm going to say I've watched this film loads of times it's weird and I don't know if I've ever really liked it <laughs> but I've seen it a bunch of times um, I am the same there's loads of stuff to commend it John Dykstra did the visual effects and Harry Mancini uh-huh. did the music and the screenplay was written in part at least by Dan O'Bannon who wrote mm-hmm. Alien, Alien yeah, yeah. and directed Return of the Living Dead so yeah, and obviously Toby Hooper, we all know his pedigree going back, so it shouldn't have been the film that it is. Ah, <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. uh, because it is so messy because of that. I think we think it was this was Toby Hooper's kind of. He said it was something he wanted to do to prove after the Poltergeist thing that he wasn't a one-trick pony, and he did actually make Poltergeist, and he wasn't a parasite was the phrase I think he used. Okay, and he was going to prove it by making this film, and you're like. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I do think, I mean, it's based on a book Like, I know you mentioned The Space Vampires And I do think there's the seed of something interesting there But it feels to mm-hmm. me like it's a film out of time Okay mm-hmm. It feels very much like a film of the kind of Late 50s, early 60s mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was I'd read something recently, I think It was Colin Wilson sort of Dared by August Delay To make a kind of, to write a Lovecraft type story but better because Colin Wilson slagged off Lovecraft or something like that so that's kind of his idea in doing something in that sort of vein but then you've got the Dracula thing you've got the vampire thing I think it's basically there's there's so many ideas going in it and there's just constant 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 and I think that's kind of what kind of detracts it a wee bit because there's just a million things going on at once and it's and it's two hours do you know what I mean so there is something in there good um, but it just it just keeps doing stuff it just won't stop it just <laughs> and this guy's here to defend it. Um, <laughs> and it's, I've seen it about twenty times. So it, as you say, then you've seen it. So obviously, it's got something that is worth watching. Do you know what I mean? But I think if you try to defend it and by just saying no, this is great, you're a fucking madman. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think like um, it, it it goes hard with it. Like there's a lot of story out of the game. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Because straight up, you're at, you're on board the Churchill. The Churchill. It's August the ninth. Mm-hmm. On the church show, um, and they're off to study Haley's Comet. Yeah, and um, any qualms you might have with gravity on there are hastily explained away. Mm-hmm. And 
yeah, and you also you get enough kind of chat before they kind of make any discoveries for it to establish mm-hmm. that their external comms are also fucked. Yeah, and it looks great. That, that all that intro stuff looks amazing. You know what I mean, it's like, yeah, Henry Mancini music with London Symphony Orchestra. It's like this is important. <laughs> I've actually got totally. Yeah, I've actually got written down here. The space stuff doesn't look great. Really, I feel it's all a bit painty, a bit like. Uh, you know the way they kind of just pour paint onto the screen and Flash Gordon and they'll go right that'll, uh, that'll do for Sky I kind of feel it's got that kind of effect it and I find myself questioning see, I think that looks great as well see I mean like <laughs> maybe it's just because I haven't seen that many films for, like from this era kind of thing but I didn't have a problem with it alright alright no. fucking back off <laughs> all right, I'm outnumbered alright totally um, but <laughs> Uh, yeah, but uh, they do they do kind of happen on a 150 mile long spaceship. Yeah, inside mm-hmm. Haley's Comet. Kind of a bit big butt did. plug. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that's fine. It's a universal shape. It's true. Yep, yep, yep. And full of dead bats and three naked humanoids. Yeah, weird bat like creatures floating around. So they they decide they're going to take one of these bats back, and uh, they say something like, uh, "Let's deploy the specimen bag," but really it's just a big net. <laughs> just a big, it's not a specimen bag there's nothing specimen bag to me implies some kind of like uh, evidence bag like a ziplock thing but it's really just a big net i also i also think that if you were gonna go for a fancy name for that you would come up with something a bit better than specimen bag go on yeah no I, hey I, I, my name's not on this thing <laughs> <laughs> not prepared to speculate I I really like the score right out the right out of the gate. Like you say, Jules, mm-hmm. like it's kind of like very dramatic, very much. This is important music. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's quite a classic sounding score for a, like a sci-fi thing. And we yeah. get a lot of space nonsense chat, mm-hmm. which I love. Just they just make stuff up. But that's the great thing about making films in space. You can just make up words that don't exist. But yeah, they find these three perfectly preserved bodies, and one of them's Matilda May. Yes, it is. I think that it's really funny at this point when uh, one of the guys says, um, I've been in space for six months and she looks perfect to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's an awful line. Yeah, because um, it's, it's, it sounds like, you know, that kind of like that thing you see with like people that have been at sea for ages and it's like, do you uh, have any idea how long it's been since I've seen a woman? Saying exactly no- <laughs> nothing of the fact that they're not sure if she's alive. Uh-huh. So, Nobody really minds, though. Uh, well, no, uh, I guess. <laughs> um, and also as well, it's almost like he has to say that he's been in space for six months just to justify saying, Whoa. Oh, I know. It's, you know, it's, it's Matilda May lying there naked. I mean, it's like, I would get it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you need to explain yourself, mate. No explanation right. required, yeah. I uh, also like at this point that they're completely focused on her. The, the two naked dudes, they're not getting a look in at all. They're getting maybe. no compliments, yeah. um, <laughs> very little attention, which again, I suppose is kind of understandable. Yeah. I did notice as well that the their compartments were kind of a bit fogged up around the tackle area. Oh, really? Which I thought was about an equal in mm. Toby's part. Obviously, he wasn't giving a shit. No. Not that I was looking for a big space dong or anything like that, but I just hand it No, no, dog. but you're quite right, though. You're, you're quite right. It's an oversight of sorts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've deliberately done it, obviously. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, it's not an oversight. It's, a very, it's very much a choice, isn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then get my more ab- more kind of establishing of the fact that their comms are rusty this time from the Earth side. And um, if this ever gets remade, we're gonna have to like in a post Brexit universe, we're gonna have to tidy this up because there's no way that a European Space Research Centre will be in London. No, no, no for sure. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like uh, we kind of get, and I was wondering, kind of as because, like I say, I was going at this as a first watch, and I was wondering why we weren't spending more time introducing the crew of the Churchill. Mm-hmm. It becomes immediately or fairly immediately apparent why this is because they're not really the main characters. 
No, 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 no. In fact, absolute red shirt central. Exactly that. Well, all with the with the exception of Colonel Tom Carlson, Steve Railsback's character. Yes, Uh, he's Uh got quite a big role to play, but he's the only person on the Churchill that matters in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. So it's understandable that they don't spend too much time giving us too much of a grounding in any of them. This isn't even a stromo. We don't care about these people. We don't need to care about them. We don't know anything about them. They are, like you say, red shirts. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Totally. You you do get a wee bit later on the flashback with the the Rawlings character, um, who's a dreadful actor. Um, (laughs) Oh! It's really noticeable. He's like, just like, He's, he's, we can get to that, but he's appalling. Yes, I really noticeable. You're like, yeah. oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> but um, I will get so we get a wee bit of kind of like stuffy looking men in suits discussing the ethics of dissection and stuff like that, and then it kind of like it kind of hits high gear in terms of. Well, I mean, the Churchill goes dead again, like you mentioned. Yeah. Um, and there's, they, they scramble a rescue shuttle to kind of go and check out what's going on, and as we know, the ship's totally fucked. There's been a fire. Uh, corpses everywhere. Um, the nudies, they're all right. They're completely mm-hmm. they're completely unharmed. <laughs> one guy says at one point, "I'm entering the tug bay," and I'm like, "I'm <laughs> like, if I see if I see my Matilda May again, I might enter the tug bay." Um, you on the poster? Just enter uh, the tug bay with life force. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know what goes on in the tug bay. I can only imagine they've been up there for six months, as we know. <laughs> Um, yeah, I suppose suppose you have to establish certain kind of boundaries, so Tugbay might be a good idea. We're happy to see that the nudies are okay, they're completely unharmed. Yeah, they're fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Back on Earth, Mm -hmm. and uh, Matilda May is kind of there. (laughs) Right, okay. Um, Where? uh, She's on the... uh, (laughs) A gurney. Thank you, a gurney, that's the word I was digging for, she's on a gurney. Guy approaches her. He's got a ludicrous mask as well. He does, very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah he does. Yeah. What, one thing I hate in films is when they kind of try to fix something that's no broken. Like a gas mask would have been fine, mm-hmm. but they mm-hmm. build they build this ridiculous fucking contraption that he puts over the only his head. He's got he's, he's got like a military uniform on, so it's not even like uh, it's not like an out. I know I always talk about outbreak, right? But uh-huh. it's not like a hazmat suit. <laughs> it's a stupid fucking glass mask. And he's just got his suit on. It's one of those things where a film kind of creates a problem for itself by being different for uh-huh. the sake of it. <laughs> yeah. Like, ah, it's a guy has got a Space 1999 sort of vibe. I just try to sci-fi it up for no good reason and then arson it. Just what it kind of looks <laughs> Exactly, yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, the mask, the guy, takes his mask off. The first of a few kind of tactical blunders on this boy's part. He takes his mask off. I think you're, you're missing a very important point here. He takes his mask off because Matilda May reanimates, yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. Sits up, Billy bollocks naked. Uh-huh. Um, and trances him like she entrances everyone who gazes upon her. Yes, yeah, yeah. And it makes sense then when confronted with a beautiful naked woman that he would perhaps remove his mask. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, totally. Yep. That, that, that's what she does, and she does it to everybody. And the fact that me and Andy have seen this film quite a lot of times don't particularly like it, says it all. That's kind of tell its own story, yeah. aye. We, might have, <laughs> we may have just hit on what keeps bringing us back. I think we might have. I never thought it before, but that might actually be it. You know what? It's, you know what? It's always this. You know, sometimes the simple explanation is the right one, isn't it? Fuck's sake, yeah. boys. Into the tug zone. Uh, so uh, she she wakes up, uh, kisses him, and sparks fly. Yeah, she yes. sucks his life force. Yeah, clean, clean, clean out of there. Yeah, to borrow yeah. The, to borrow from the film's title, essentially desiccating him, turns him into like a, a prune guy. I I want to just uh, 
jump in here and say that like see anyone who's in that condition in this film I think looks really fucking cool yeah I think like it was somebody who's kind of like post being kind of drained I think, mm-hmm. it, I think it looks class to me there feels like um, more than a little bit of uh, Return of the Living Dead in it um, 100% I'm going to say that yep totally yeah. um, totally very very it, much so and I love um, that yeah yeah totally totally reminds you I mean obviously it was what a year before or something as yeah, well yeah that'd um, be about right aye okay. so and that's very 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 similar but it looks great do you know what I mean the whole, I think the whole effects look great and you know it's very of its time obviously but it's just kind of yeah, uh, the, whole, the whole sequence totally works, I think. I think that's totally it's one, of the, one of the better parts. I, I think that a lot of that kind of stuff holds up pretty well, I especially kind of when you're getting to, in a little while, don't want to jump ahead too much, but when you start to see kind of movement in those kind of figures and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I, think yeah. it's, I, I think it's all really cool. Mm-hmm. They obviously yeah. only had a few of those, though, because they're just changing the eyeballs in them and kind of recycling the same dummies over and over and over again. Totally. Just give them one of wee buzz cut or something yeah, like that. Yeah, they just, like, <laughs> fuck a whack a wig on, like, and that yeah. like that. Like, uh, like the, the redhead women with the curly hair. Bang a red wig on, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I love those, uh, the desiccated dummies. Yeah, I think, mm. I think they're brilliant. So, she's, uh, so um, Matilda May, who is credited only as Space Girl... Yeah, that's her character. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm gonna just refer to her as that going forward. I think that's that's um, fair. I mean, yeah. But as Space Girl is kind of making an escape at this point, Guard tries to stop her. Seems to kind of momentarily get kind of like Vader choked. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Um, and they're they're dreadful as well. The other ones I noticed as well. Their acting is diabolical. Well, um, yeah, fair anyway. This character Bukowski, for some reason, he doesn't get completely drained. But then a guy comes running to kind of check on him. And the guy honestly has the most ludicrous run I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's as if he's running 100 miles an hour, but in slow motion and actually no getting anywhere. I'm going to have to rewatch that. Uh, um, is, 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 is that bad? He can't act running? No. And then we jump pretty quickly into a scene where a guy says, don't worry, a naked girl is not going to get out of this complex. And then that is exactly what happens. <laughs> Seconds later, she escapes. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And um, Colonel Kane enters around this point, which I think kind of, it's the introduction of a running thing in this film that I found kind of amusing, which is that like I think that there's just like this unbelievably stuffy Britishness to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is weird yeah. in and of itself. Which I think is strange, but um, I think a lot of the time when you see that, it's most noticeable and it weighs that kind of, kind of threaten to yank me out of it a little bit. It's often kind of, it's Colonel Kane that's doing it. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, he he comes in kind of uh, asking some questions, and at this point we'll learn a little bit more. Well, you kind of get a little bit more background about the fact that the Churchill's escape pod's missing, and um, kind of by the condition of it, they're not sure who survived, who didn't survive, that kind of thing. Kind of sowing the seeds for some of the mystery that they're going to answer a little bit later on. Yeah. And while we're waiting for that mystery to be resolved, there's a lot of bad English actors saying stuff like, "Blimey, there's a naked bird." Like, yeah. It's fucking terrible. It's really bad. It's a cross between scum and Grange Hill. <laughs> that level of pattern you're just like oh Jesus Aye, it's, not, it's not impressive um, so it's around this time again kind of a little bit of a kind of cliff notes thing on the on what, what we're dealing with here it's, it's Dr. Falada yeah a, a character yeah. whose presence baffles me I think that he kind of as presented is the guy who you get a little bit of kind of uh, a surface reading of what his credentials are and at that point I think he basically kind of turns up to explain key points at key points his credentials 
he's Basil exposition, but what I really liked is he says there's something basically he says something like, you know, biochemist normally is like yes, but my real interest I'm a thanatologist. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> like oh yeah, because that's a normal thing at Folker, you know, uh, as you are. Yeah. It can affect both the things that mean, but it's like you know, he's he's also obsessed with death and life after. You know, like, oh that's so handy. Yeah, it's <laughs> a like, what a convenient choice Absolutely. of pastime. Nice, well, I came as a biochemist, but actually, right, great. <laughs> the only thanatologist in Britain, great. <laughs> also, the only room full of people where at least one of them wouldn't go, what the fuck's a thanatologist? It does, exp- <laughs> it does explain it. It does say, um, he says, I'm a doctor of death, and then he goes, oh, by the way, that's called thanatology. All right, all right. <laughs> doctor of death was plenty. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he kind of explains that it or at least offers a theory about what he thinks going on here. A ludicrous theory to back up the ludicrous <laughs> events. That's, yeah, that's true. I think it says a lot to like about the extent to which I was already committed to getting on this train. That when he offered that theory, my first instinct wasn't that's ludicrous. I was like, all right, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's see how the sun falls. <laughs> <laughs> Fucks, dude. Well, that's certainly our theory, Dr. Falada. Let's see how this shakes out. <laughs> um, so, uh, more explosions in the facility here as the other two um, exhibitionist space vampires kind of advance. I think that the guards trying to kind of. Uh, Did you say expositionist or exhibitionist? Uh, I, I said exhibitionist, but I guess both. Yeah. But, sure. um, <laughs> but the, um, the two guards trying to subdue them, I think, is flat out hilarious see when they're like all that like, kind of indiscriminately firing at will and throwing grenades at them and stuff another hilarious precursor line to these events are they look dead to me and then there is literally an enormous explosion and these two guys are standing upright and approaching in a very menacing fashion they are uh, yeah. so this just film, in case you missed it <laughs> yeah this film is littered with people who say one thing and then the polar opposite thing happens a second later it's wonderful <laughs> Um, so, but like, it seems like in the moment that they kind of they manage to subdue the other two. They throw a hand grenade. They throw a grenade mm-hmm. at him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They kind of subdue them. Throw a hand grenade. You know. That <laughs> yeah, works. Yeah. <laughs> Hundreds of bullets don't damage them in any way. No, but I mean, like, I, I, which, so I suppose that kind of it's it's a convincing plan B. Bust out the grenade. I guess. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, I mean, like, possibly overcooking it slightly, but when in doubt, fuck a grenade at it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Wants to live by. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, all that happens. Kane and Falala arrive and kind of survey the devastation. But we're very much under the impression at this point that the two male kind of vampires are dealt with. We're going with vampire here. That is what we're that is the, ah. the, the terminology that uh, we're going with. If anybody wants to improve on a lexicon, I'm open to suggestion, but I was gonna go with vampires. Okay, that's fine. Right. You cool with that? But also as well though, just before we jump on that, the one thing I thought was that thing with all the ideas as well and all the stuff. Colonel Kane being in the SAS. There's mm-hmm. no reason for him to be in the SAS, I think. Do you know what I mean? He was originally meant to be a Scotland Yard detective investigating the murder and that sort of stuff. And him being SAS is just like an extra bit of mad shit thrown on top of it as well, do you know what I mean? Just for Yeah. You know, that that should be Donald Pleasance or something, being a shambling cop and it's this you know, and also as well, he's a strange kind of SAS guy. He's not exactly Lewis Collins. He's mm. like this uber British polo neck, you know. Hey, but he is wearing a polo neck. I, he's already halfway to being an SAS guy. 
Aye, that is the uniform. I hear what you're saying, though. I think that, like, the SAS thing, it sounds like a kind of genetically impressive-sounding thing to just kind of lob on the uh, pile. It's just like it's just about kind of non-specific credentials. Ah, uh, SAS, this is a D-notice gentleman. Stumps off. He's kind of uber British about it, but yeah. he was meant to be a cop. Quite often, uh, he gives it the full title as well. He says Special Air Service quite a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's for the viewer, but he says it to... People who have got no but who would know really <laughs> military military personnel police. Um. <laughs> just in case anybody's forgot, just you know, remind you again. Yeah, it was around this time. I was like again as a first view. This is around the time we get our first look at a reanimating guard, the guard that's kind of half drained. Yeah, kind of reanimates and yeah, goes for the it. The first guy that meets Matilda May. Yeah, space girl. Sorry, space girl. Let's yeah, call space girl. Yeah, he was a California raisin, mm-hmm. and he reanimates. That is quite surprising. <laughs> uh, to be fair, like that. Quite a little, right? Okay. Um, I mean, I, did, I, I didn't see it coming. He immediately no. freaks the fuck right out, though. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, like he, he, he sucks all the life out of a guy, wakes up quite happy, and then realizes what he's done, and he loses his fucking mind. Oh, he's like basically catatonic, isn't he? Well, like uh, <laughs> after it happens, which is fair enough, really. At this point, what you were talking about about um the scum meets Grange Hill thing. Get another get another kind of healthy dose of that. Because <laughs> it's like like pretty much straight after this, it's like, oh, there's been another victim in the park. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah. you know, like, like I thought it was like, it was Oliver that I had written down when you have the guy in the flat cap describing it. I mean, like, it was a naked bird, Gavner. Yeah, it was like, yeah, we went back to see if we were up to anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was a real good looking bird. And then you're like, so wait a minute, you thought she was a lesbian? You hung about till they presumably went into the bushes, and you went back in the hope of seeing some action, some action. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Fucking get a life. Yeah, weird little guy. <laughs> weird little guy. Totally. It's at this point it starts getting confused, <laughs> a little bit confusing. <laughs> Just a and bit. the physics and the science of what these creatures are and the powers that they have become a little elastic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Totally. Um, so. They can drain you. Yep. They can possess you. They, they, um, <laughs> they, they need to. It's a, like they need to top themselves up. Yep. Or they turn to powder. Or they turn to powder. Which we see in a hilarious moment where one of these possessed guys runs at like a yeah. mesh fence and just yeah. busts uh-huh. through it. Yeah. That's my one. Of, that's probably my favourite moment in the whole film. Aye, it's got that Robocop thing that splatters and it's got a burst but it's dust but yeah like that yeah no it's that's it's it's probably it's up there for me as well yeah you're right it's like we, we kind of get um we get a picture that is kind of like it's quite a lot to dig in of the kind of of the kind of rules as it were of what we're dealing with here yeah I, th- I think you kind of like I mean I watched it a couple of times for this and even today watching it again there just is a point where you just have to kind of just no think about it yeah because it's just it's just a bit vague do you know what I mean and it's kind of you know as you say there's like they can they will drain you. They can possess you. They can change shape. I think maybe they can. You know, it's just. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that yeah. Again, just, you've just got to roll with it, don't you? Aye. Yeah, yeah. Well, it gets even more convoluted and complicated running about here when uh, Steve Railsback returns from wherever he's been. This is a great development, I think. I really mm-hmm. like this. Well, yeah. It's so that that the the Churchill is back and with it, uh, Carlson. Carlson. Yeah. Now, oh God, he is confused, understandably. He delivers one of the most amazing exposition bombs I think I've ever seen in a film. Go on. Basically fills in all the gaps about what's happened on 
what the, the kind of la- the final moments, if you like, of the, the, of the Churchill, short of a disgusting videotape like an Event Horizon. And part of this, to touch on what you mentioned earlier, Jules, you do get um, Rollins uh, kind of sma- smashing up a lot of the uh, like a lot of the kind of gear and the equipment on the ship. <clears throat> he he is, as you said correctly, front to back, absolutely shocking. <laughs> It really is. It's really noticeable in, in a film of this level. Somebody that bad. It's just like you know, he's only got a few lines. He's not got that. He's only one that real scene, and you're just sitting going, "Fuck." I don't really uh, because because I think like I've when I've been talking about films before uh, for this and other places, I've I've been told that I can be quite forgiven of uh, ropey performances. Uh, yeah, so so, so it's kind of indicating when um uh, when I spotted and people agree, but yeah, like when they're kind of he obviously has had some kind of episode, and when they're trying to get him to recount it, and he's kind of staring off into the middle of the distance, just kind of monotonously but very very loudly, being like, "I don't remember." He's <laughs> <laughs> like, "What's fucking hell, man?" But uh, so yeah. yeah, like uh, but Carlson realizes aboard the ship in this flashback that he doesn't. He realizes kind of who's responsible and what's going on. Doesn't want the Earth to be subjected or to suffer the same fate. So, in a very noble attempt to kind of effectively save the world, he starts a massive fire on the ship and then makes his escape in the pod. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty good plan on the face of it. Not <laughs> yeah. a bad move from yeah. not a bad move from your boy. It burns up the, the back creature and the, what was it called? The security bag or the specimen the bag? The specimen bag, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, burn, it burns that up and, uh, yeah, he makes his escape um, pretty quickly. But what we learn quite fast is that he's absolutely obsessed with Space Girl for unknown reasons at this point. Yeah, this was good when it was getting to the back end of the uh, flashback and he was like, oh, like leaving was the hardest thing he had to do and he didn't want to leave mm-hmm. her and all this stuff. I thought that was pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like yeah. I thought, like, pr- like pretty well done and uh, decent performance wise as well. Yeah, they've got turns yeah. out they've got some weird mind meld going on. So this is another thing mm-hmm. that they can do. They... Oh, do you know? What? I thought that was the for the rest. They, obviously, they've got this correction, that kind of thing, and that kind of reminded me. It had this, he was kind of the the Mina Harker. Oh right, character. okay, yeah, okay, you know got I mean? you. He's got the correction with Dracula because of the victim, the love, blah, blah blah, and that kind of thing. And that was basically, I think that's where I thought maybe. Okay. Old Colin's getting it for Because it was basically the same thing for the rest of the film. He's got that connection with her, Jordan. Yeah, 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 definitely. Ah, I didn't even think about that. And um, we kind of get this kind of, the link between the two of them is kind of driven home a little bit more in the hypnosis sequence that comes after this, which is really mm-hmm. bizarre. Is this the, the weird neon nightmare? Oh, sorry, no, I was actually glossing straight past that. That's the nightmare right before it, isn't it? Yeah, that, I mean, that's mad. Yeah, that is mental. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think I have too much more to say about that. Like, yeah, the life giving and life taking scene between him and her, between uh, Carlson and Space Girl. She's only got seven yeah. minutes of screen time, but it seems like fucking loads. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, God, I did. I did notice when she, in that dream she comes, she appears, and she's got clothes on, obviously, uh-huh. uh, and, she, and she loses them instantly. And it's like, <laughs> okay, right, you know, there's immediately going back to. The setting for her. Yeah, I, 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 feel, I feel like putting clothes on her at the start of that sequence is very much a token gesture. Totally. Totally. Just like, right off again. Move. I think it might have just been a cold set. Just, Aye, just potentially. doing something to make this poor fucking woman that little bit more comfortable. Yeah, but um, but this so this so this is obviously a nightmare sequence, and uh, I mean it's it's. I don't know if I would say it was a nightmare. Aye, very good, very good. But like um. 
But like, age old cinema trope, somebody waking from a nightmare, sitting bolt upright and panting. I have never seen anyone sell the waking from a nightmare scene like Carlson does here. Yeah, I, I think Steve Railsback's a brilliant actor, by the way. He, yeah, me too. He has been amazing in tons of other stuff. And I think he is. I really think he's our anchor here. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I would agree. And our MVP in a film that, let's be honest, we're not exactly spoiled for them. And I mean, look at our, our kind of main actors. Um, with the exception of Patrick Stewart, who will come on yeah. in a minute, but uh, our main actors, Peter Firth as Kane, is terrible as well. Um, yeah, he's not great. Yeah. He's not a leading man. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. And your man Falada, not great either. Frank Finley, no. Pure signature. So, I mean, rails back, killing it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of elevating, elevating the material here. I would say um, in a pretty serious way, but yeah, I'm off straight off the back of that. Yeah, there's this hypnosis sequence, which is um, again kind of like pretty important from a story perspective, presented in a way that's absolutely bizarre. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like so they kind of they learn from what he's relaying, but you kind of see it through his like through Carlson's mind's eye kind of thing, yeah. don't you? Um, and you get this read that um, Space Girl has a kind of second form. Yeah, naked girl in the park. Yeah, Ellen. Ellen. And this is now, I don't know how they put this together, um, because at this point, to be honest, I was kind of like, it was pretty late. I was kind of, and I genuinely, I rewatched the sequence like three or four times. But they put it together that they can find her at a mental hospital in Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're back. Yeah. We're back in familiar territory, Mitch. Mental hospitals. The Thurston Hospital for the Criminally Insane. Yep. Yeah. Uh, mental hospitals are pretty much a mainstay on this podcast. <laughs> Like very very recurrent from from episode one, they're there a lot. But um, I actually cheered when they say, "Oh, the Thurston Hospital," and he goes, "Wait a minute, isn't that like a mental hospital?" And the guy goes, "Yes, for the criminally insane." <laughs> like, I was just like, "Yes, <laughs> yes." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, headed, of course, by Patrick Stewart. Aye, beams in with a bit of quality uh, instantly. Um, as soon as he comes in, it, it's always kind of elevates. Elevates the material again, I think. He's a pretty good form here, I think. Andy? Oh, no, I would agree. So, another thing, another power bestowed upon Carlson. While they're at this mental hospital, Patrick Stewart touches him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Carlson is able to see that Patrick Stewart is also possessed by Space Girl. Right. So it gets more and more complicated, yeah. more and more convoluted. Well, I mean, the, the, this is, but this is kind of like, is this going back to the connection thing? Uh-huh. Like the psychic link thing, so yeah. so presumably it kind of it starts. It must be kind of like a chain. I think it kind of it kind of works, but it's kind of just like an added on extra. And he sees it as, a, as another another addition to the the mythos or the powers or the whatever can happen. But it's just another thing sort of stuck on it that wasn't really there before. Um, but it works enough. Do you know what I mean, you, yeah. you, can, you can buy into it. I think. Um, have you read the book, Jules? No. No, no, I was just, I just wondering if any of us had. I haven't. I uh, haven't. No. no, I was just, I was just, I was curious to know exactly how much creative license was taken with that kind of thing. But um, actually, I read, I read quite a lot about it in Dark Side a couple of months ago, but I can't remember about the details because the feature was about twenty pages long. Um, <laughs> so it was fairly, it was fairly accurate. I think obviously, I think they went completely nuts on a lot yet, but I think on, on the whole, it wasn't uh, massively off it. I Aye, think Colin okay. liked it. Uh, and they all liked it at first, and then when it got totally panned, they all decided it was shit. Um, <laughs> as you do. Uh, but I think it was fairly, as far as I know, but I could be wrong. Okay, right Um And Patrick Stewart kind of directs them to Ellen, the woman from The Vision, 
At which point, uh, Car- Carlson is not great at kind of playing it cool when they're trying to get information out of her. <laughs> no. To say the very least of it. No. No. Is, is this the, 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 the woman that he's getting it from her mind? Yeah. Yes. Is that her? Yeah, I, I, that, that, I was absolutely howling. That what was it? Uh, <laughs> the, the natural line. Despite appearances, this woman is a masochist, an extreme masochist. She was, she wants me to hurt her and force the images from her mind. It's like, what? Why? <laughs> why? Why don't they just fucking let, let her read her mind? Why did they have to then make her a dirty, pervy weirdo that wants her to hurt her? Just to add, her, that's another layer as well. Really. It was just totally unnecessary. And then it turns to fucking what's his face. Special air service guy and goes, Oh, do you want to leave? You know, this you this might this will look ugly or something. And he sits down and goes, Not at all. I'm a natural voyeur. <laughs> Holy <What>? shit. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is around yeah. about the hour mark. Um Hi. and it it takes a very weird turn here. So Patrick Stewart is also playing the female character and it's mm-hmm. kind of cutting between the two of them delivering the dialogue. Yes, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Patrick Stewart kisses Steve Railsback in his first on-screen kiss, which... Is, is that a real thing? Aye. <laughs> Great yeah, stuff. Which is weird in and of itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His first on-screen kiss kisses uh, Steve Railsback. It's a great fact. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's such a weird, weird scene. Um, Patrick Stewart's totally straight-facing it when the material is bonkers, man. Absolutely straight-up <laughs> bananas. <laughs> See, and I think I, I I always think this is interesting. See, when you've got like a vast kind of like a, a broad spectrum of caliber of actor uh-huh. working with something that is this mental and therefore this open to interpretation in terms of how you play it, uh-huh. and you kind of get this thing where you've got maybe three or four people in a scene and you feel like they are in three or four different films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and totally. I and I kind of feel like that's going on here a little bit. But at this point, I'm not going to lie, uh, Jules. I was like, I, said, I was watching this pretty late on last night, and um, I was sort of furiously taking notes at this segment. And but, but every now and again, I do kind of like wave the white flag a wee bit and just text Andy, being like, "What the fuck am I looking at?" <laughs> I don't like. <laughs> then, and I've seen it loads. Do you know what I mean? And I've watched it twice in the last three days. And the day I'm sitting going, "Who the fuck knows what's happening here?" But then you cut. You're coming to me asking me that, expecting me to be able to explain it any better than your eyes can see it. Like I don't know what the fuck's going on. That's true. You're looking at, at this. You're, look, you're looking at the same the same thing as me. So yeah, I'm yeah. absolutely completely fucking baffled. Um, I, think, I think as well because because it's so long as well and it's so mental and it makes so little sense at points. There is points where your brain kind of just goes to be a bit bye bye and yeah. you're just going with it and you're just watching it and yeah, then you think about it. Well, actually, why did that happen? I'm fucking when I think about it, I'm not really sure what's going on, but. You just kind of let it go and roll it. In fairness, yeah, because I mean, like for for every time, and there were a few during it where I was like, "Fuck's going on!" Like literally, like within <laughs> within five minutes, I was like, "Okay, I get it now," and I'm away again. I was never like, I was never lost to the point that I lost it completely. It was always, it was momentarily lost. Uh-huh. A few times. Yep, yep. The scene in the asylum is the scene that I struggle the most to figure out what the fuck's going on. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's when I realise that I'm faced with another fifty odd fifty four minutes of this and. There's so much mad shit going on. So many new strands being added to the creature's capabilities, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Hey, no, I'm exactly the same as you get to that point, you're halfway through it, and you just think, I've got no fucking idea what's going on. All I know is, I've got another hour of this to go. In, in <laughs> fairness, it, like, it, it, it comes out of this and moves at a fair pelt, story wise, I think. It does. It totally um, clumps up. Yeah. It, it really does. I mean, like, um, and the long and short of this, after like a really 
strange thing where, like you say, it was cutting between Patrick Stewart and her delivering the dialogue and Patrick Stewart speaking with her voice yeah, and all that, which is all pretty mental. The upshot is that they kind of get away from the hospital with a heavily sedated Patrick Stewart that they believe she is inside him, basically. Uh-huh. For want of a better expression. Then we get one of my favourite moments in the film where uh, Patrick Stewart's head becomes a plastic head and he starts <laughs> spraying blood out of his mouth and eyeballs. And the blood coalesces into human form. Yeah, (laughs) that's a cool moment. At this point, we discovered also male aliens. They haven't died. No, they haven't. No, they haven't. Space space bros haven't died. Space bros. One of those guys (laughs) was very briefly potentially going to be Billy Idol. No way. Which I think would have... (laughs) Which I think would have pulled me out of the story quite dramatically. I mean, I don't suppose it matters. Would this have been like hot in the city era, Billy Idol? Yeah. Right. You mean actually it was going to be Billy Idol in the film? Right. Aye. Yeah. No, he wasn't going, going to become Billy Idol. Like, he wasn't <laughs> going to... I was like, what, he was going to be in Generation X? What? That's mental. <laughs> he wasn't right, going okay. to take on the, the pop career of uh, Billy Idol. <laughs> That that would, I was silent. I was like, "What?" And then it kind of all come, becomes meta. And then at the end, Billy Idol's just sat there like, "And that's where my career came from." <laughs> like, just like fucking hell. <laughs> but it's funny you should say that because at this time it is getting pretty hot in the city oh, shit. of London. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dr. Falada is now killing vampires left and right. He's found himself some kind of uh, pretty nifty looking gothic sword. Mm-hmm. Which he, Where did that come from? Listen, he's a, he's a doctor of death. <laughs> of course, he is. That's, that's, his, yeah. that's as commonplace to him as a scalpel. <laughs> <laughs> he's a doctor of death he just got one of those when he qualified from death doctor <laughs> university Tommy's mum <laughs> look Andy if you're gonna get bogged down in this kind of fucking nonsense I mean like, like let's do your fucking research I, Stuart. I was gonna say Jesus when the answer was fucking hiding in plain sight it's a graduation <laughs> present it's tradition <laughs> fuck me but uh, dispensing, <laughs> dispensing with the usual vampire nonsense, stabbing them in the heart won't do it. You've got to stab them in the energy centre, which is located approximately two inches below the heart. <laughs> that, Fuck off. That was a, that was another one where I felt like they just like they just like they sci-fied it. Yeah. Aye, aye. Yeah. You just didn't need to. Do you know what I mean, just to make it a bit different and change it a little bit. So we'll just make it a bit more sci-fi shit, and it's two inches below it. It's just like just. Just stabbing the heart will be fine, I'm sure. It's <laughs> contrary for the just for the sake of being contrary. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's like yeah. it's that was the kind of thing where it's like it's vampires, but nay. <laughs> <laughs> Despite the fact that they turn to dust. Exactly, uh, that would just be dumb. Yeah. Yeah. They're absolutely like ladling on revelations at this point at a rate that was faster than my puny brain could comprehend. <laughs> It just it, it goes it, it escalates at a, to a ludicrous, ludicrous rate. London is all of a sudden awash with uh, life life force suckers. We find out that Falada's first name is Hands, which makes him even more ridiculous. That's brilliant. Yeah, London is pretty quickly quarantined and may in fact be nuked. That bit obviously seems like that's when it really goes. Nigel Neal, um, quite a mass in the pit. It's very very. Um, Similar to that, with the it's not just the kind of the panic and the storms and people getting taken over or whatever. That was literally the winds blowing and there's electricity and it's all. It's basically, you know, well, as I said before, quite a mass in the tits. 
Uh, fair one. Just before this, we get a good um, get an, an interesting confession from Carlson, where um, he confesses that it wasn't Rollins that um, did mm-hmm. all the damage on the ship. It was him. Mm-hmm. He opened the case because he was in love with Space Girl, um, which is an interesting revelation, but also kind of just means that we didn't have to ever see Rollins. Which... Aye, and nobody really judges him for it. So he didn't have, you know, you're not going, no way. You're like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, well, the damage is done now, man. It's all good. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we'll move on. It's like, I feel like that horse is kind of bolted at this point. Uh huh. He picks uh-huh. his time wisely to deliver this information because I think if he was deli- to deliver this half an hour before or before they went to the mental asylum, um, there could have been repercussions. But because the shit has so enormously hit the fan, people aren't giving a fuck. People aren't going to remember. No. This will be forgotten and amongst the madness and the chaos, which is engulfing uh-huh. London. Yeah, well, it's kind of smart, do you know what I mean? Because he drops that wee info bomb on the colonel after he's just shot a zombie off a helicopter with a flare gun. And then he goes, oh, by the way, I, that was me, by the way. And he's like, ah, fuck off, I good. <laughs> More That's... important things to deal with here right now, Rails back. That's so funny. Yeah, exactly. Um, pretty cool visual here, I think, of the 150-mile-long spaceship hovering over London with all the kind mm. of all the life getting channeled up into it. That's right. Mm-hmm. Quite yeah. enjoy the look of that. So we get kind of beaten over the head a little bit more with the Carlson and Space Girl psychic bond thing uh, at this point, and um, we kind of get fed to us that if we can destroy the remaining two carriers, then we might be able to get out of this mess without having to blow London off the map. Um, some some pretty good some pretty good chaos ensues at this point. I think when you, I think that when it's actually like the way that the actual carnage is depicted, I think it's pretty good. Uh-huh. I think it looks great. I think it looks really good. I think you can see a lot where the money is there. Yeah. In those scenes, but it does feel big and quite dramatic. Yeah, I think that actually, like, I think that there's a noticeable shift up in the scale of the thing mm-hmm. at this point in a way that I thought was kind of cool and, like, pretty convincing. When you see, like, when mm-hmm. you're kind of out in the streets and things, I thought it was, it was pretty strong. Yeah, there's a lot of extras and a lot of happening, and the the zombies we get flashes of them because they're kind of zombies now almost. They kind of look good, and there's and it feels quite exciting. The inside of the Westminster Cathedral with all the corpses and stuff, and the big life force column and things. Like, it all really looks good. It looks it's kind of it's just like the film finally sort of starts cranking up, but then cranks it up sort of big still. Yeah, I think so, and I think that like um, and actually when you think about it, when how quickly we've gotten from being at the hour mark to being pretty close to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of makes you wonder where that half hour goes mm. from the asylum yeah. here, because it because it disappears then it disappears fast. It gets quite dry. Do you think so? Yeah, it gets quite dry over a period, and I think you just kind of your mind gets so tangled up in trying to unravel what's happening mm-hmm. before you know it, you've lost thirty minutes of a film. <laughs> totally. And you totally backpedal agree. to find where you're at, <laughs> and then you're like, all right, so we're here then. We're in a we're in a, a zombie film now. Um, uh, <laughs> And yeah, that's, I mean, uh, that's a, and uh, yeah, in, in a lot of ways, when you get to the, because it's way more zombie than vampire at this point. Oh, for sure. Um, to the point that, like, some of the stuff that you see in here feels like it's been airlifted in from a different film. I was trying to decide whether to call them zombies or vampires, and the zombies that are attacking folk, they aren't even doing any sort of energy transfer step. They're, they're actually just biting them. Yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? They're, they're just of, zombies. Yeah, there's people on the again. ground and they're just kind of gnawing on them. Mm-hmm. It has a yeah. has a very kind of like a real kind of shitty Italian horror movie kind of vibe at that point to me. You get Aye. real bits of like Nightmare City and stuff Nightmare in there. City. Yeah, um, 
that's the kind of closest thing I can think of to kind of it's put totally in there. Definitely. Yeah, even down to the, even down to some of the kind of makeup effects because we do get kind of mm-hmm. close up on some of the stuff, and yeah, they look okay, but they're, they're not vampires mm-hmm. by any stretch no, of the imagination. No. <laughs> certainly not, not as certainly not as we've come to know them in the film where they're good looking, attractive, and naked. Good looking and attractive, obviously, are the, the same thing. <laughs> Um, but naked. <laughs> thanks, thanks for clearing that up. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, it's, it becomes a zombie film. Very clearly mm. becomes a zombie film. Uh, yeah. yeah. But- Interesting fact that I've just uh, I've just checked out there. Rawlings, terrible Rawlings, could have been played by Peter Capaldi at one point. No. <laughs> um, Seriously. Which immediately solves a lot of the problems we might have had. Yeah. Totally. That would, that would have been nice. Yeah. 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 yeah dealt with. Yeah. Uh, so we're kind of jumping between, like, say, the zombie stuff, the kind of carnage, and um, what's kind of building to be the film's final set piece, which, as you say, is um, Space Girl at the altar of mm-hmm. St. Paul's Cathedral. Again, mm-hmm. I think all this stuff looks pretty cool, and Carlson kind of, kind of, Carlson kind of goes to her. Kane's trying to get there in time to intervene. At this point, when he's kind of... I, I feel like we're a million miles away from the story as presented, when Kane turns up mm-hmm. and he starts kind of dispatching all these beasts... Mm-hmm. On the way in, like, um, like, uh, this is nothing to this man. This guy, special air force, special air force. Yeah, this guy eats zombies for breakfast, and he's an actual voyeur. So. <laughs> let's not, let's never forget that he's a natural voyeur. I really wish that he'd included that in his intro. You know, he's like, I, I'm uh, Colonel Kane, special air service, natural voyeur. <laughs> 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 oh, I know, but you know he's hacking away, and, he, and that that all works as well. I mean, because he, he's just that's obviously what he does when he's square jawed. But then it's when he meets the the male vampire, the young fella. Yeah, that's on the stairs, and you're kind of like, all oh, right, you kind of forgot they exist, really, even though that you found out they're back again or whatever. And it's kind of like you're all oh, right, you know, like are them again because it's just throwing this stuff at you, and and amidst all this chaos, and it's kind of thing, right? This is convincing. This is working. And then he turns to him and, and he and he says that line, but he's got this most deep comedy voice. I don't know if you noticed. It was oh. like, it'll be much less terrifying if you just come to me. You're like, what? That was daft, yeah. Like, clunky, <laughs> clunky line and his, his delivery and the depth of it. And it's just like, and then they deal with it anyway really quickly and move on again. And it's just, it's another mad thing that life force throws at you. Well, there's some more mad things. <laughs> See, just just before just, just before we cycle away from that, right? So, so we're saying it's like I think that like see when when Kane comes in and he's kind of and he's fighting them off, like we say, I think all all that stuff is great. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And then when you get that, it would be much less terrifying if you just come to me, and before he stabs him with the thing, his kind of kiss off action hero line is, "I'll do just that." Which again made me think that I was like, um, I was like, all this stuff pretty convincing. However, I feel like when that was working. It's a bridge too far to try and give him an action hero line. Yeah, it's like that yeah. was what I was like. Ah, you're pushing your luck there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have yeah. preferred that the the stoic British stiff up a lip player, where he just didn't see anything. Um, just yeah. cocked a Roger Moore eyebrow and attacked him. Mm-hmm. is dead by this point. Um, Falada's, well, lest we forget. Lest we forget. Falada's death's a cracker. There's some amazing bladder effects, and he's got another great dying line where he goes, "Oh, here I go." <laughs> yeah. He just spends a lot of time just standing, looking out over the carnage and stroke, mm-hmm. stroke. Oh God, I nearly said stroking his sword. Um, he's, got a, he's got a wee death semi watching it. Until. But I feel like uh, <laughs> it's just a makes it just 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 crafting a makeshift tugboat. I feel <laughs> <laughs> return to the tugboat. 
Uh, I feel like here I here I go is a quintessentially British uh, dying line. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> here I go. Um, <laughs> also, wouldn't be out of place uh, at the moment of ejaculation. Fucking hell! Yes, I'll be again. Yeah. 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 Did anyone else notice that weirdly? Um, there's a London bus, obviously, we're in London. There is a London mm. bus that has an old Glasgow's Miles Better banner on it. No. No. Yep. Yep. Didn't really? click that. Go back, no. watch the carnage in London. It's baffling, mind-boggling, but the old... Um, obviously, for listeners who don't come from Glasgow, back in the day, Glasgow's slogan was Glasgow's Smiles Better. A little play on words there. And uh, the mascot was uh, Mr Happy of Mr Men fame. Okay. But yeah, one of the London buses has an enormous Glasgow's Miles Better banner on it. That's interesting. It's no weirder than anything else we've seen. No, in this film, no. Uh, aye. Oh, just weird to get that happy, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. You're, you're, you're right, though. It is a weird... It's, it is a kind of strange thing in the middle of everything else we talk about. But like, you know what was really weird, though? It's a Glasgow bus. I know. <laughs> Very much a big red London bus. But with a Glasgow, a big giant Glasgow banner on it. Strange, strange. So at this point, Carlson is uh, naked and kind of embracing Space Girl in the kind of the big plume of life, the big blue plume of life. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Kane arrives to intervene. I think that when Kane lobs the weapon down to Carlson and he catches it, <laughs> I think that that is hilarious. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I've, uh, I've actually got in my notes for that. Um, Kane cock blocks to victory. I I I I I wrote cock blocks as well. Actually, <laughs> he cock blocks to victory. <laughs> Didn't see that in the posters, John the Wall. <laughs> I want you to cock block to victory. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So well, missed the fact that there's a gigant- a hilarious moment where Kane stabs the- one of the guy aliens with a sword and he turns into and we find out that those bat creatures are in uh, fact yeah. the vampires um, mm-hmm. I guess their ultimate form or their mm-hmm. like, what they truly are okay uh-huh. so do they, yeah, go to, yeah. do, do they go to that in death they just turn out a big giant bat good point All right. I don't know if there's really? a point where their bats and they're flapping about perhaps they do go to that in death Mitch you may well be right but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it turns into a giant bat and explodes. Yep. Wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Looks good as well. I think uh, it's got a, a nice. Yeah. You know, it's not amazing. I've got, um, I've got no problem it's with it. No shit effect. But uh, yeah, so uh, Kane uh, lobs the mighty vampire slaying kind of blade down the hole. Mm-hmm. Carlson catches it and pales them both. Yep. yep, yep. Just before that, they don't look comfortable kissing. No, no, they don't. that's it's, very true. Uh, no. For two people who are obsessed with. Two characters who are obsessed with each other, they do not look like they enjoy kissing. That's a either. that's a recurring theme on this podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Terrible public displays of affection. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that would be one. But yeah, and what I would say is a commendable piece of self sacrifice from your boy. He uh, mm-hmm. stabs both of them. Right. Now let me try and unravel what happens next because I'm not sure. Okay. Right. So he plunges the knife through her back through himself. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. With you so far. And then they rock it up into space together. Yeah, yeah. She's only mildly injured or whatever. It just it just disturbs her. I think it kind of derails it slightly, but not enough to kill her, but enough to kind of stop the the life force transference thing. Is what I took for it. But I was reaching. <laughs> no, uh, that's that. That was kind of that. Was, I I felt like it was like he tries to 
kill them both, but gets it wrong mm-hmm. slightly. He and misses her uh, energy center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he misses her energy center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his own energy center. So instead of killing her, he gets to go and fly off into space with her. But they literally rocket up Result. into yeah. space together. They do vertically. <laughs> Yep. Is Up he a vampire by this point then? What what are we dealing with here? He's, he's part of her and she's part of him. Ah, yeah. <sighs> they've they've shared the life force the way that the, the other two were sharing with her on the ship. So she says one line something like you're part of me now and we're together and blah blah. It's not a regular victim. Yeah. So yeah. they become he's he's one of them. And that's why he's got the connections. So when they do the stabbing, that's why they fire off up into the ship. Yeah. I think. I that's, think. <laughs> that was that was that, that was kind of my read as well, but yeah, I understand that that's a little bit of a reach, but that was where that was where I ended up that. Was anyone else disappointed that when they rocket back up into the ship and the energy beam kind of cuts off and kind of bl- shoots back up into the into the spaceship, that the spaceship doesn't explode? Does it it explode. flies away? Yep. Yep. That would have been cool. I'd have been in for it's that. Obvious, it's what's going to harm is it's going to blow up and have a really good big effect. That's what you and think. Turtles off. Bye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, see you later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rails back in space, get all both butt naked off in a spaceship. Yeah, like bats run about off off the go. You know, no, I really believe that. Just fuck off. Yeah, the rails back done. and space get are the only two people on that ship now. I think they have to be because is it not? Do not say at the start of the rest. It's all burnt. It's a kind of derelict. Yeah. and we have all these. Uh-huh. And if we are to believe that these bats are the final form, perhaps in death, mm-hmm. as you as you um, speculated, Mitch, uh-huh. then the ship is essentially a bat graveyard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, now populated by two naked people. Two naked people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I've, 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 I've got no follow up to that. I think you're right. But how yeah. if uh, how will how will rails back survive? Because he takes energy for her and she takes it for him because they say earlier on the three in the ship originally must have been feeding off each other. So they're, they're kind of no sense. snowballing energy between each other? Yeah, Aye. look, yeah. look. no one's saying that they explain this correctly. You're just saying that they say more words about it earlier. <laughs> this is the point. <laughs> Did you know they, they make such efforts to explain everything, right? All these fucking powers and everything. But then at the end they just go, ah, fuck it. <laughs> they literally just go, fuck it. Um, okay, we're done. Good. The shoot's over. Run by three weeks. Forget it. Like we don't <laughs> need to blow up. No, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> On the contrary. Big red pen. Nope. It flies away. <laughs> <laughs> and just like that, we're at the end of Life Force. And at this point, I'm taking a look back at it and thinking that the with a second hour that flies by relative to the first mm-hmm. hour. Mm, very uh, much so. It's a baffler. And amongst Toby Hooper's kind of oeuvre, if you like, there's not a lot of great stuff in there, but this stands out like no. a sore thumb to me. It's it's mad, it's madness, absolute madness. I mean, yeah. yeah, like I mean, so like like I say, this was this was a first watch for me, and as they as they often are, and uh, I I mean I had I had quite a lot of fun with this. Uh, I would I could see myself going back to it at some point in the future to just kind of try and get more of an understanding of it a little bit. I think um, that would that would happen. Okay, yeah, I was just yeah, yeah I'm, 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 I'm talking to two veterans are trying to pick this apart, so maybe I should just cut my losses and not revisit. Look, Mitch, me and Jules will revisit it as well to try and unpick exactly what's going on. <laughs> and finger quotes. Even my my wife said she has the best boobs I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Okay. They are quite staggering, and from seeing them when I was a younger man. Yeah. 
um, when this was a video shop rental. Yeah. I feel that they've ingrained on me in some way. Yeah. 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 I, I, I was 13 when this came out. I can, under, so, I, I can understand that I, the seismic impact that would have had. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> You're like 13 year olds thinking this is the greatest film I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can see why. There's uh-huh. monsters, there's effects, there's more boobs than you can shake a stick at. Uh, uh, how, old, a, how old were you when you saw it? Oh, 12, 13? 12, 13 as well. Like okay, so similar um, kind of. Yeah. I've mentioned before the guy that used to come around with a, the van with videos in it. Uh-huh. And you used to kind of you'd, you'd rent a video off them and he'd put your name in a wee, like a wee book. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. We them as well. Uh, yeah. And then that was you. You, you, you kind of, until the next time he came around. Like, so it was kind of him coming round and then the fish guy would come round. Like the fishmonger oh, would, okay, would yeah, drive yeah, yeah. around with his van. Um, so we had we had a lot, and then the ice cream van, ah, oh, glory days. <laughs> um, but I I used to get it off of him, um, and I, I would watch it, and I would watch it, and I would watch it, and it, I was kind of snapping up things like uh, in, Invaders from Mars as well by Toby Hooper running about the same time in okay. the same breath. Yeah, actually not a bad double bill. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you want to yeah. get, if you want some Toby Hooper stuff that's not uh, Texas Chainsaw or Poltergeist. Uh huh. Okay, no, I mean, like, I, 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 I'm still not sure where I'm at with this, to be honest. I enjoyed it in the moment, though. I think that, like, I'm acutely aware of the fact that I don't necessarily think that it's a particularly good film. Actually, not. <laughs> um, Again, the guy that came to defend. I was, I was, I was going to say that, is the, that that's the quickest that anyone that's been on defending it has made the upfront um, admission that it's not a good film. But um, yeah, you have, you have to be upfront. But but I think that it's. Hang on. What was the other film you were going to bring? Ghosts of Mars. Ghost of Mars. Also a shite film. Yeah, but I can defend that as well. <laughs> we'll have you back to do Ghost of Mars sometime. Definitely. But uh, yeah, no, I think that like, but I enjoyed it a lot at the time. And I think that, and I've, uh, again, same as always, kind of come away from the chat with a lot to think about. So yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I don't think a film has to be um, good to be enjoyable. I hate all that sort of so bad it's good shit. Do you know what I mean it's either good or it's not? Yeah. But you can, you can but you can quantify this isn't technically a good film. Do you know what I mean it doesn't make a lot of sense. There's a lot of daft things in it. It's over long. It's get, there's loads wrong with it, but it's still really enjoyable. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And I, the fact that I've watched it more than once says it's good. But I've seen it loads. Obviously, there's other reason. But you know, yeah. there's other ways to access boobs. Um, so it is a fun <laughs> film to watch. You know what I mean, yeah, I know exactly, and I think like, and that's a lot of that's a lot of what we kind of do with this yeah. with the show is like the kind of uh, getting to the heart of the fact that something doesn't have to be technically great to be enjoyable, and to kind of get mm-hmm. to the heart of the other reasons why people mm-hmm. like the things they do. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think that in, well, when you look at it through that kind of lens, I think that this is a really good selection. Yeah, I mean, I I mm-hmm. hold it in quite high regard among Toby Hooper's films anyway yeah I've seen it a bunch of times I gave you a DVD away because I have it on Blu-ray yeah kind uh, by the way so thank you I've, <laughs> I've bought multiple yeah. copies of Life Force uh, as have I <laughs> yeah and it's 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 a film that I'm not entirely sure what it is alright okay all joking aside I'm not entirely sure what keeps bringing me back to Life Force yeah, sure. but mm-hmm. I find I think it's bags of fun it's Utter, mm-hmm. utter nonsense. It doesn't make a lick of sense, but it's got a weird charm. Yeah, there's an endearing quality to it, for sure. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's what it is. It's, just, it's batshit insane from the off. It starts off feeling like it's some big budget, you know, like epic, like the black hole type of, you know, it's that sort of thing like that. And then it just goes off in a million different directions over and over again, unnecessarily, a lot of the time. 
and and that's why it works. Do you know what I mean? Uh, even though that's to his detriment because it is just so fucking insane. You just have to sit and sit back and let it wave over you, sort of thing. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jules, before we wrap up, I want to take a minute to talk about um, some stuff of your own. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's anything in particular that you'd like to take a minute to, uh, just to chat about for the benefit of the listeners. Aye, sure. Uh, well, well, basically, for that, for, for not for my day job, we do a, a, site, a comic site called Big Comic Page, um, which is basically, you know, reviews and interviews and things like that sort of thing. I've got a few in there with the photo Alan Moore and Kelly Jones and stuff like that. Um, but I started last year uh, with a stupid idea to watch and review every Hammer film in the month of October, which okay. is just insane because I was talking about how little time I had because I've got about four jobs and three wains and a wife and I've got no free times, so I think. I'll watch every Hammer film in a whole month and fucking review them, which was insane. <laughs> uh, obviously, so I never managed it. But then I thought, well, I'll just keep doing it because it was a good discipline thing to do. So I started doing that. So I reviewed one a day, 31 Days of Hammer. I reviewed every Hammer film. Then I started doing British horror for Night of the Demon up to 1980. And after I started doing it, I thought, hang on a minute, I'm stealthily writing a book here by accident, by okay. reviewing these films every day. Um, and then, sure enough, the, the, the publisher that I was wanting to do it, he has asked me to do it. So basically, I'm going to have the book coming out of classic British horror. Um, we reviews all these sort of films for the, the classic era and I'm currently now publishing the what will be the sequel I think which is American Horror starting with Phantom of the Opera in 1925 um, I think I'm up to cat people at the moment um, but I'm, I've been t- taking time off we starting again in October because I was going mad so but yeah <laughs> Amazing so uh, so is the, the, the first book is that available now? No, it's, we're still working on it. Basically, all the reviews are up on the Big Comic Page website, um, right. and the book is going to be expanded in altered versions, obviously, because they're out in the site, sort of thing. So that's going to be it's going to be coming out early next year. Okay. Um, but all the thing, all this, the reviews are on that basically. So and there's fucking hundreds of them. Good stuff. And um, where uh, where can people kind of like catch up and just get a little bit more info on what you're doing? Um, on a bigcomicpage.com uh, is where the reviews are already up. Um, they're all categories 31 Days of Hammer 31 Days of British Horror and 31 Days of American Horror at the moment um, and, and everything's on there basically and there's new ones getting added on a daily basis or there is when I'm doing it so there you cool. go okay uh, Jules thanks a lot for taking the time thanks for having me guys man it was good, Jules, it was good laugh thank you uh, thank you very much man you're very welcome you're very welcome cheers well I've enjoyed every episode we've done so far but I must say I do like it when we have Scottish guests yeah me too yeah. brings out the best and worst <laughs> I completely agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, huge thanks to uh, to Jules for joining us and talking about life. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just uh, for a bit of colour as well. Um, me and Jules used to write together back in the day when I had the site. Uh, so, yeah, I've known him, known him for quite a wee while. Yeah. Uh, and he is a very good writer, so I'm quite excited about his, his upcoming book, Writing Endeavours. Yeah, yeah. yeah book and pretty, sequel. Yeah, that's a, that's a ridiculous undertaking. Massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> To be quite honest, yeah, it kind of makes my shockwaves one hundred thing feel a little bit paltry. I know you fucking shitbag. I'm not. I'm not even <laughs> reviewing them. And you get some some weeks you can only manage one. It's like, oh yeah, I only like, watched one film this week because I'm busy. This guy. He says he's working his way through American horror films from 1925 onwards. That is fucking monstrous. And you can't do 100 fucking films. I know. I know. <laughs> Realistically, like, I should, hang your head. I should be about 40 deep at this point, shouldn't I? Really if, I, no, easy. Like, Pouring away at 12 like a chump. <laughs> <laughs>
Anyway, I guess that's just about it for another one. Thanks yeah, very much for sure. joining us. And of course, a big thank you to Mr. Jules Boyle for joining us to come on and have a wee chat about Toby Hooper's life force tonight. Yes, indeed. And, uh, well, as ever, we'll be back on Monday with um, another mini-sode for your delectation. Yep, and I hope um, that everyone enjoyed the wee bonus-sode that we put out on Wednesday. Um, again, I know we said that during the, the, during the bonus-sode itself, but... Uh, we thought we'd just put something out just to say thanks and that we love everybody for listening yeah very much appreciated and uh, another thing we love is when people get in touch Ah. and uh, if you do want to do that off the back of this episode or with any other comments you can do Facebook and Instagram Strong Language Violent Scenes you can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC and you can email Scenes at gmail.com yes indeed and we're pretty much available everywhere you can listen to podcasts but the ones that we prefer are certainly uh, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, our good old pals at Podbean. And um, a quick word as well, a couple of people um, over the last few weeks have been in touch asking about Amazon Echo. Right, uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, how to sure. get that working. We are looking into that at the moment. Uh, so if you are kind of taking time out from your usual podcast means to check this out because we haven't got that working yet, thank you for your patience. Uh, we'll hopefully have that up and running pretty soon. We're kind of asking all the necessary questions to get that off the ground at the moment. And also, uh, if you do listen to us on iTunes, um, it should come as no surprise when we ask you to subscribe and rate and review because it really, really does help. I know we say that, but it does. Yeah, no, please keep doing that. We uh, really do appreciate it. But yeah. Yep. And keep spreading the word and the good word. Yeah, all the liking and sharing and commenting and all that stuff. It really does help. But yeah, we'll be back Monday, 8 a.m. BST. Join us then if you can. Yeah, all the usual nonsense, shenanigans, Mitch's pitches, what we've been watching, you doing the Shockwaves 100. All, ah, all everything you've come to expect and love. So join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget that it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Good night. Good night. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.